This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso. It's our weekend recap. We have Manchester United beating Liverpool. We have Atalanta beating AC Milan. Who is the second best team in Germany? Who is the best male American player? We have this and so much more with Heath Pierce. Kego Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso, part our weekend recap. And I have my man here, Heath Pierce. Heath, what's up, buddy? Oh man, a lot. Busy weekend, busy weekend. Not for me personally, but for other people that still play the game for a living, uh, we're busy and uh, lots to talk about. Absolutely, lots to talk about. And of course, Jimmy Conrad isn't here. Newcastle got embarrassed last night and he called me up late last night. And he said, Luis, I can't take this. I can't face the world. I'm sorry, I will not be here. Uh, so please just take care of it without me. So Jimmy, uh, I'm sorry, Heath, Heath, Heath and I will take care of it. I'm kidding. Jimmy can't make it for other obligations. Obviously, it's not because of that, but it's always good to make fun of his Newcastle. Hey, <laughs> seems a bit convenient, to be fair, though. You said you you've linked him to you've linked his absence to the performances. I won't say it, but it does seem a little convenient uh, in the state of Newcastle right now for Jimmy not to show up on a, on a weekend recap. That is very true, actually. That is true. He did conveniently time this one. He told me already. Like, I remember us talking about Villa Newcastle, and then suddenly two minutes later, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be able to make it for a weekend recap. Interesting. Interesting. We'll let, we'll let that simmer. You know, we don't do rumors and speculations on this podcast, obviously, uh, but we'll let, we'll let the people at home decide why Jimmy's not here. Let the people decide. Absolutely. Well, anyway, as he said, a busy weekend of action, as always, of course, and we're here to talk about it. But I want to begin, Heath, before we break down Manchester United's win over Liverpool in the FA Cup, Atalanta beating AC Milan, uh, the madness in the Bundesliga, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted to start actually with, I tweeted something earlier today, uh, Heath, after the Juventus win, Weston McKennie scoring again. And to be honest, I didn't really think it was that much of a polarizing tweet. I thought it was, I didn't, some people called it bold, some people up for debate. I don't think so. Weston McKenney is right now the best male American player, I think. I, I don't think there's an argument. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think in terms of form, in terms of the club that he's playing at, in terms of the way he's impacting his team, right? Uh, I, he has to be. Right. I think Gio Reyna was the most exciting prospect when Dortmund was on their run a lot closer on a title race to, to Bayern. Uh, I think Hoppy was is a bright shining star for the moment, 19 years old, but obviously played against Bayern Munich this weekend and just looked way out of his depth. Right. I mean, Schalke in general looked way out of their depth against a very good Bayern Munich squad, but it was tough for him to really find a way to get into a game. And obviously when you put 11 far better players against that, whatever, it's a huge gap, but yeah, in terms of overall form, he's already got his first, you know, quote unquote, silver, silverware this year, and he keeps getting better. Right. I think we, we, and not to go too much into this, 
when we used to look at these players, we'd see a player like a Weston McKinney, and we, and we just hope they would play well, right? Hope that they would do enough to be talked about amongst the group where it wasn't just like pay attention to the American and everybody's excited. It was like, hopefully they get a goal or an assist and we'll be so excited because they're playing in a big league. But now you look at him and you're like, oh no, he's an actual contributor to a top team in the world right now where he is actually no longer, we're not looking at him in the sense of saying, hey, please do something cool or do something good. Don't get subbed off at halftime. We're like, hey, he's a starter for Juventus. And even I had my doubts. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose money this year because I bet on him not, starting 50% of the games because I thought Pirlo would be under pressure. He'd go with veteran experience. I thought uh, Archer would play more. I thought, I just thought it was, it was going to be a tough thing. I thought that they would buy him, but what, anyways, I won't go off on that. I'm going to lose money because I didn't necessarily think he could do it. And now he's stepped into a higher, more attacking type of position and he's thriving, right? He's actually, and it's not about his quality. It's about how much better he's gotten since he's gotten there, right? It was about the potential. And now that potential being realized and his current form is now I think the level of Weston McKinney. It's not, it's not the trend that he's on. He's not the best player right now. I do think other players, when they're in form, are better than him. But he is just becoming a better and better player and more consistent. You know, and you weren't the only one, by the way. A lot of people, when he joined Juventus on this loan move from Schalke, you know, didn't necessarily say, you know, he wasn't, um, you know, going to be amazing. But they said, you know... Um, he, he, like you said, he probably won't get that many minutes. It's going to be very difficult in a tougher, arguably a tougher league in a giant of a club. Uh, but look what's happened. It's honestly incredible. And the thing is, like in our 2020 uh, uh, wrap up with Jimmy, you know, we, we gave the nominations and the awards for our favorite or best male player of 2020. You know, the finals were Pulisic and Weston McKenna. To me, Weston McKenna won anyway. I just think like Pulisic right now is a little inconsistent and it, through no fault of his own, he's been injury ridden for a while and I haven't seen the best of him. Mainly that's also because of Chelsea's uh, issues right now, but Weston McKenney has delivered on multiple occasions for one of the biggest clubs in the world against some of the toughest oppositions. And to me, that just speaks volumes uh, for, for what he's doing. Yeah, you look at his goal this weekend, right? Header, but his his confidence on the header. It comes into him and he's in the right spot. He, he's just there's just something different about his game now. And it's 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 just taking that next step. Let's not forget that when the, the Juventus rumor started, his other options were like Middlesbrough and I don't remember who they were, but well, they Villa were, Villa was maybe interested in getting him in West. Right. And, well. and 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 you you think about his style of play and a workhorse, you're like, okay, fits well into the Premier League, right? Into a team that's going to grind, need to grind out results or, or whatever. You don't necessarily, you didn't, or at least I didn't, think Juventus. And then when I think about Pirlo, I'm like, okay, a new manager, he's going to be under pressure. They've got this dynasty. What happens when it's not working, right? They've been hit by COVID a few times, but he's been able to escape so much and play and be relied upon that he's now a mainstay. And not only that, but when he is getting his chances, he's scoring He's getting into the attack. He's setting up plays. He's covering a lot of ground. When you watch him, when you watch the highlights even, he's in the box. He's late running in the box or he's getting into the attack. When you watch Juventus defend in their box, he's in that box as well. Like he's playing like a six on defense. He's dropping deep to cover angles, to support the fullbacks, things like that. And then in the attack, like that type of energy and then the quality and confidence he has right now is just making him a different type of player and one that we don't have to look through the lens of like a good American, but actually say that's a good high quality player at a top club in the world right now.
So to you, best American male player in the world right yes. now? Yeah. Right now, for sure. Thank you. I didn't think it was that much of a polarizing tweet, but there you go. But regardless, well, but, but, by the way, what were people's arguments uh, or who no, else? No, did they no, think I mean, was- some people were agreeing, but some people were saying, I think up for debate, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I honestly replied by saying, I don't think it's up for debate right now. I think other I think it's a good argument to say that it's great to have this conversation that there is mainly a debate in the first place for American talent. Imagine that. Imagine that right now, 2021, that you can have a conversation about saying, who is the best male American player in Europe? Wow. Because before it didn't used to be that, right? It used to be just one player, et cetera. Now you can have multiple discussions, as you mentioned, Jorena Pulisic, Zach Steffen doing well for Man City, of course, Sergino Dest. Now, you can say, wow, we have like a plethora of players that can do well. And if you're an American fan, that's nothing but good news. Not to mention Tyler Adams, right? right. Tyler Adams plays, starts in three positions for Leipzig, uh, who are uh, in second place in the Bundesliga right now. Let's, I mean, And he scored, is, right? Yeah, and he scored as well. And so, it, it, granted, it was his first, actually, it was his first ever Bundesliga goal, which is weird because he scored in the quarterfinals of Champions League uh, for the same team. But, uh, and it was a, a rebound off the bar. But regardless, it was a goal, a big moment for him. But that's the thing is we're, we're having a conversation about who's the most informed, who's the best right now. And you have players playing at some really big clubs, as well as a player like Hoppy, who's in form uh, and, and sort of a breakout star in the U.S. soccer circles at the moment. And by the way, Brendan Aronson got some minutes today for RB Salzburg as well. So this just keeps getting better for U.S. MNT. Final Mark word. McKenzie also, Mark McKenzie also made his debut for Genk. <laughs> Brendan Aronson looked really good. Had a few, had a few nice through balls. Came uh, in like the last twenty minutes. I wa- I watched that game. It's a little bit of hard lighting, so it was hard to. It took me a while to find him on the pitch with the lighting of the stadium and the light sun and all that. But yeah, good debut. Uh, Mark McKenzie's less so. They, I think they lost to Bruges, um, uh, three two. Uh, I think they played in the three back line. But good to get his debut. He's going to learn a lot from this. He's going to be able to move on. But again. Increase, increasing the depth and the pressure uh, of all players to perform if they want to get a spot in the national team right now. Yeah, Gang did lose 3-2. And uh, yeah, well, America, be very happy. Uh, you, your women are the best team in the world and your men are pushing and pushing to getting better. My God, no complaints from you and no excuses, by the way, as we look ahead to 2021. All right, when we come back, We will recap everything around the continent, including, of course, the FA Cup, uh, Serie A, Bundesliga, etc. Stay right here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner, from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, 
taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Kate Go Lasso Pod. Myself and Heath Pierce as we, uh, you know, talk about everything that happened this weekend uh, in the world of football, especially around the European continent. Let's begin in England and the FA Cup. For the neutral, Heath, super entertaining compared to what happened in the league that bore stalemate as Manchester United uh, beats Liverpool 3-2. Mohamed Salah with a brace, but the partnership of Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford uh, also got some goals as well, of course, as the winner, Bruno Fernandes with that beautiful free kick, making it 3-2 for Manchester United. They've moved to the next round where they'll face West Ham. Another loss for Liverpool, but this one was exciting. Uh, Lots of goals, lots of entertainment. Uh, Pretty good from Manchester United's perspective, but once again, Heath Beers, Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp uh, lose one here. And they're out of the cup, so now they have their title in the league to defend and the Champions League. Uh, But a pretty good game overall. Yeah, really good game. I, I thought that Man United looked really strong. They looked um, confident. I think when again, my my issue is that again, Van de Beek uh, or am I pronouncing it wrong in the in the right way of saying? Yeah, it? that's fine. Van de Beek, right? Yeah, Van de Beek. That's what it is. Beek, not Beek. Uh, he, he's one that again, I, I you can just see the frustration. I'd love to see him get more involved. You could, there was a there was a cutback early on that he wanted that wasn't actually open, and he kind of threw his hands into the air, knowing that this is his big chance to score. And I don't even think the ball would have got to him. But would love to see him uh, get into form again. Paul Pogba, when he plays fast, team good. Paul Pogba plays slow, team bad. Uh, and sometimes he settles into a game and can really kill uh, the speed at which they attack and move the ball. And I, I that that frustrates me a little bit. But overall, an entertaining game. Liverpool opening up the scoring um, after really not having the ball at all for the first minutes of the game. Manchester United seemed to have the ball and really settle in quickly. Uh, but Liverpool, Mo Salah doing what they did, one chance down to the goal, boom, bang, down one nil. Uh, but overall, if you're a neutral, uh, a really exciting game, especially for uh, the FA Cup at this round. I think this is the furthest that Jurgen Klopp has ever gone as manager of Liverpool, or this is this round is where he seems to lose every time. I think that obviously helps Liverpool in the form that they're in, kind of focus on one less and focus on a few things that are probably a little bit bigger. The worst thing that can happen is to go sh- go long in a competition but end up falling short, uh, knowing that you got to manage those games. So it seems like it's not a huge priority, even though they did play a pretty good squad today. Uh, but for Manchester United, it's a, again, it's a huge moment for them to continue their run of form, to build their confidence uh, going back into the league. I know a lot of people talk about, even myself at times, talk about the seriousness of FA Cup in this round or how, how big of a, a quote-unquote trophy is it. But when you win against a, a, a Liverpool, it is a huge win. And you could tell it was very sort of fundamental when the game ended. They just sort of shook hands and everybody went off. But Deep down, if you're if if you're Manchester United, you're like this is a hu- this was a huge win for us, right? It's a rival. It's 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 uh, we're in form right now. We're able to to put a few more players onto the pitch and still get results. And so, yeah, I think o- overall, yeah, just a great entertaining match for a neutral like myself. Yep, absolutely, and I concur with that as well. I think special mention to Luke Shaw. I thought he was pretty good today as well. There were a lot of defending issues uh, from both teams, actually, which can be worrying and also huge gaps, huge gaps in the midfield. So it's something for them to think about, especially if either team is trying to beat our Man City uh, or even Leicester City, to be quite honest, uh, for the Premier League. So that kind of performance shows that as well. I thought Thiago was poor um, and, you know, 
this is exactly why he was brought in to, to this kind of squad to make sure that not only does he move the chains, but he protects the midfield. But, you know, I guess, I don't know, is it for another day? I, I mean, he's just recuperating from injury, but, you know, it's still, this is why he came, right? Yeah, and, and he's, he's, his ability to start the, to create attacking combination play with just off-footing a team or shifting it, you know, his kind of cheeky little touches of, of combination play and things like that, I think are really useful uh but however like you said to 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 protect protect the back line and do some of those things it was weird there's a few of these direct diagonal balls that just went through today and there was just these weird uh weird gaps that that you don't expect in a game like this where you would expect to be like sort of foundationally defensively strong and then build out from there to not give up anything but it's a little more open than i expected uh which makes for an entertaining game but ultimately that means liverpool goes out yeah, and the other thing was Liverpool's bench didn't help at all. The subs that came in, they really didn't do anything. Shariki, Origi, Sadio Mane, like they really didn't do anything to help out, which can be as well a little bit problematic. But anyway, Manchester United beat Liverpool, and now they'll face West Ham in the next round, and and Liverpool are out. And that's another uh, you know season where uh, the FA, as you mentioned, listen, the FA Cup can mean different things to different teams. But as Jimmy always says, it doesn't matter until you get so much closer to try and winning it until you reach the semis or the final. That's when it really matters. And the FA Cup is a, is, is a big, big uh, tournament. Uh, and this is one that Liverpool won't win it now. Exactly. And I, you know, I, I think if they, if they win this uh, game or they come out of this alive, they take it a lot more serious. Uh, I think they did take it serious, but it becomes one of those things where, because there are enough competitions, they can write it off and say one less thing to worry about or care about. Because, look, you go deeper in the competition. If you're in, if you're in uh, Champions League and you're in the title race, and now you got FA Cup, you're you, you kind of got. You don't want to hedge your bets on one of those because the league's going to be hard. The the Champions League's going to be hard. The FA Cup's going to be hard. Uh, and you want to stay alive as long as you can in those. So I think this tends to become a blessing in disguise, especially this time of year where they're playing game after game after game. Uh, and they're not getting a lot of training sessions. This could open up their schedule, even for one or two extra training sessions where you can have the guys in or days off, giving them days off to just rest. So, um, you know, I'm trying to look at the glass half full for Liverpool, who are obviously very, very good, but not in their best form at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and for Manu, they'll be playing West Ham in the fifth round. Chelsea also won, uh, beating Luton. They'll be playing Barnsley as well. Tottenham plays tomorrow against Wickham. Uh, and Bournemouth plays Crawley Town on Tuesday. So still plenty of matches around. Leicester City face Brighton in the fifth uh, round as well. But uh, Man U face West Ham. Anyway, uh, one game in the Premier League uh, on Saturday night as Aston Villa beat Newcastle. Uh, it was one of those catch-up games for Villa and Newcastle as well, uh, both being impacted by COVID. Uh, Villa, honestly, a training ground routine win for them. Uh, you know, uh, Newcastle showed very little once again with Steve Bruce and I'm wondering Heath Pierce Villa, by the way, jumped to eighth with still two games in hand, everything looking good for my boys, but uh, Newcastle under Steve Bruce uh, continues to go on the downfall. Uh, and I'm wondering Heath Pierce, how long this will last now. Rafa Benitez leaving uh, China. Now he's free. Obviously he has huge tensions with Mike Ashley. So it's not like, you know, it's going to happen, but I'm wondering, would there ever be a smidgen of hope for Newcastle fans to see Rafa Benitez back, uh, uh, you know, uh, with the Magpies? Yeah. I mean, 
I know that there is obviously some uh, tension there, but you know, the best way to clear that tension is to go, let's give this a second chance because that's how all relationships work out, right? Is give it one more go and see how it works out. But yeah, I don't think it's a bad shout when you think about uh, just the, the, the current state of things, Rafa Benitez. I've also heard uh, Rafa Benitez to uh, Celtic as well, um, which you know wouldn't be the, the worst shout ever either. So no, uh, I, think, I think he's going to have his suitors. And, and so I think he would, I don't know. I, I, well, not, listen, why you, you think money, by the way. Yeah. And why you think that, I mean, listen, I'm just throwing a log into the fire, obviously of the rumor mill, but to be honest with you, something is very obvious. And this is something, by the way, that I know just when Bruce managed uh, Villa, he's a very nice man, very experienced, hardworking, passionate, et cetera, but he's really limited creatively. And you could see it every single time. And I feel that Newcastle fans need, well, first of all, is about, you know, staying resilient and staying in this Premier League because they are definitely a conversation for the relegation battle. Absolutely. If they continue like this, 100%, right? And then the second thing is, like you said, uh, Rafa Benitez being in talk maybe for the Celtic job, maybe you never know what could happen. But also Eddie Howe. Remember Eddie Howe? Uh, he's still, you know, available. I just, they need something to just wake everybody up because there is talent here. There is a lot of talent. Uh, you know, St. Maximim and uh, Miguel Almiron, Callum Wilson, John Joe Shelby can still, you know, there's still a lot of talent in this team and they need something, something to wake themselves up because I'm telling you right now, they are a relegation uh, intended side, I think. Yeah, you're not wrong there. You know, the only thing uh, that I agree with everything that you said, and I think that uh, it's a slippery slope, right? Um, and you start to look at the players, like they've had systemic issues for a while now at Newcastle. It hasn't been a, this positive, uh, bright light. They have kind of their strings of results and things like that. But you're right in the sense that they are intended for the relegation zone and battle. And, and you start to think like, I, I do think that you give if you threw the kitchen sink at, at Rafa Benitez, he could come in and, and solve that problem. But then phase two is sort of like, then what's next, right? Mm. Will you will you just is is for Newcastle and for Newcastle fans and the club and the history of the club good enough to just bring Rafa Benitez back and then finish mid table next season, mm. uh, survive a relegation? Maybe it is, you know, maybe that is the way it should be. But, you know, I think there is that conversation of kind of bigger picture you can solve this short-term thing but but who is newcastle going to be and is it good enough i'd like to see newcastle just consistently better um kind of go back to old newcastle days well we're going to see exactly what happens to them because uh on tuesday they face leeds then they have everton and then crystal palace you could say you know they don't win you know you, you could give them a shout for any of those games and you could see them losing all of those games. So, you know, uh, let, let's see what happens. But, you know, I have a, a soft spot for Newcastle United. Alberto Solano played for them, the first ever Peruvian to make it to the Premier League. You know, I have some family members who are uh, Newcastle fans because of that very reason. You know, it, it's a very passionate club with very passionate fans. And, you know, uh, you, you like to see that kind of club, especially uh, in the North, uh, do well. And right now that's not happening uh but we'll see we'll see what happens hey listen quick question martin odegaard basically uh you know heading to to your arsenal here uh fabrizio romano basically saying yep all set and done uh, and a major reason was uh, Mikel arteta 
basically convincing the Norwegian to uh, come his way because Real Sociedad were also interested interested in bringing him back. So uh, that, that's a pretty good uh, acquisition for a loan move from Real Madrid. Yeah, I think it's it's great, and and I know that that Arsenal is going to have to spend a couple million to get him in on on a loan deal. Uh, from what I've been reading, Real Madrid preferred an Arsenal move over over a Sociedad move. I I think that Odegaard also wanted to have conversations with Mikel Arteta about what is his overall role. Right when you're 22, you were a former sort of phenom. Um, you still have a lot of years left to to realize a lot of the potential. 22. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you're a, you're 22 and you're a six year pro. Uh, you're still six seven years out of your prime potentially you still have a lot of that potential to be realized and arsenal has needs uh and so i think there was obviously a healthy conversation that he is going to have a spot to lose in the current form of arsenal um i can see that and obviously nothing is given under the pressure of Mikel arteta who's got to protect his own job who's uh my the watchful eye over my shoulder here uh on the wall but yeah i i think i think it could work out for everyone and then how hopefully find a long-term solution for Odegaard who has yet to really land somewhere and, and, and establish his name at a club. Yep. Absolutely. All right. When we come back uh, one more break and then we will do a roundup of the rest of Europe, a lot of really interesting results from this weekend. Stay right here. Our final break uh, comes right now. Hey everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso, our weekend recap here with Heath Pierce. Uh, Heath, let's go now around uh, Europe for a second. Let's go to the Bundesliga, Heath. My God. Uh, well, Bayern Munich, uh, yes, Jonathan Johnson, I'm about to shout you out. You quickly and rightly predicted Schalke would lose 4 nothing to Bayern oh, Munich. Did he really? That's great. Yes, he did. Exact, that, accurate. I know, but he's so gloaty about it. But I'll let him off. It's fine. You deserve it. JJ, uh, he, for nothing to Bayern Munich. And then all these other results, especially the Friday result, Gladbach against Dortmund, Gladbach winning 4-2 against Borussia Dortmund, um, Leipzig losing as well to Mainz. Heath, what's happening? Who's the say? I mean, listen, Bayern Munich clearly winning this, right? Who's the number two team in this league? It's really hard to say because every time I see uh Jaden Sancho have a good game or Holland have a good game I go these teams should win the league they should win the league like they're the most Dortmund are so exciting to watch in the attack and they have actual world-class lethal albeit young talent um and again that's where the consistency or lack thereof comes in but that's who I consistently think but then I look at the table I'm like they're nowhere close to challenging uh Bayern for the first place position let alone a second place position and then you watch, uh, you know, uh, th them fall apart against Gladbach, who have also been inconsistent this year, but were able to put up four. Taram scoring his uh, first goal since his multi, I think, six-game suspension for spitting. Um, and the defensive woes of of uh, Bayern Munich, uh, of Borussia Dortmund, I worry about it. Set pieces, two different set piece moments where they don't track their man, they set the line at a different time, and one of them is Matt Hummels, which that should never come from, but makes you think maybe it's time to go with some more youthful people. And he is a legend before anybody gets mad at me saying that. But at a certain point, I think they need to go younger, especially with the kitchen sink that they throw into the attack and the speed of which they have in the attack. You need people in the back that can put out fires, lead that back line. Granted, the goals didn't come like that this weekend, but I do think it is an issue that they need to address. And then RB Leipzig, th same thing set pieces i think uh it was center back for mines that scored two of the goals on set exact same plays set pieces where 
RB Leipzig can be good over over 90 minutes, but they give up a couple of goals and then mines end up winning 3-2. It's just a bit of a worry for me. Uh, and then Leverkusen, like I'm literally all these teams, uh, they're a mix of youth and 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 veteran players that can't seem to get on the same page every single weekend. Uh, and and I like I guess I'm not really answering your question. I don't really know who's going to be second. I look at RB Leipzig and they get enough results week in and week out to be in that conversation just purely on points right now. But when I look at I would love for Dortmund to be in that second position because that like, and again, I don't know, maybe everybody's playing for second now. Nobody's playing for first, which is a really sad, sad song, but um, yeah, sorry, man. It's true. It's true though. It's true. I mean, listen, and you know, knowing the answer is actually the reason why I said in the first place, it's really up for discussion. I mean, you could go, as you mentioned, you could go it uh, by the table itself. Leipzig could be, really clearly the number two team here. Uh, they are second with three points uh, over Leverkusen, who's in third. But Wolfsburg, even on points with Leverkusen after that win, just a uh, you know, goal difference uh, situation here. And Dortmund, by the way, it's the end of January. Borussia Dortmund is seventh, okay? Uh, you know, it, that's worrying for if you want to keep you know, your certain stars, uh, especially Erling Haaland, exactly. You need to give them Champions League action. If they don't get the Champions League, I know that it's January, but hey, it's the end of January and, and you don't know what could happen. I mean, Frankfurt is above them, Gladbach, Wolfsburg, Leverkusen and Leipzig and of course Bayern Munich. You know, so there are situations here. I don't, there, there is no answer. I don't, I, I think that maybe just because I'm looking at the table, Leipzig remains the number two team here, but that could easily change. Yeah, and it is worth mentioning also, Eintracht Frankfurt are in incredible form right now. I don't remember who they played this weekend, uh, but they battered someone. Um, yeah, they but uh, Armenia. Armenia Bielefeld, yeah. Uh, I've won. Yeah, and, and and they've only got two losses on the season as well, similar to Wolfsburg and and uh, Bayern Munich. So in terms of like keeping in games, and actually Eintracht have, have given up some points throughout uh, the year that, okay, and I had this argument with... with uh, uh, Guy named Pat who runs um, Frankfurt's social accounts in in the U.S. Oh, and he the was perfect me the, person to uh, and 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 he was giving me this argument of like you know if they didn't just cough if there was a few of those games that I was like that's kind of football though isn't it like yeah, if every it, it's like the whole like if I was six inches taller I could have probably exactly. gone far in basketball type of thing you know you don't you don't get to have those backs that's the name of the game but they were they were in games and and to have a record where you only have two losses right around the halfway point of the season um, actually exactly the halfway point of the season. I think is, or a little over the halfway, um, I, I think is, is, is impressive. And so when you look at the table, Wolfsburg are disrupting things, Frankfurt are disrupting things, and you have Borussia Dortmund that are, that are below them, which is, you know, seven losses on the season compared to Eintracht Frankfurt, who are on two losses, it is a pretty, pretty polarizing number. Uh, and so I think it, it, it's wide open. And, and now you have, you've added Wolfsburg and, and uh, Frankfurt into this conversation of who can actually climb and, and finish second. But, but by the way, on, on your point, I do think Leverkusen, who've flown under the radar as usual, uh, have a conversation to be in that second place position, as you mentioned as well. Yeah, there are only three points behind Leipzig. Uh, you know, plenty of opportunity as well. And by the way, Luka Jovic has never looked so happy than when he re now playing for Frankfurt online from Real Madrid, scoring, by the way, as part of that five one win. All right, let's keep going around Europe. Serie A again looks interesting. AC Milan. You know, we're all predicting a, a win for Milan here. A tough one. It would have been hard, maybe even a draw. But, uh, you know, Atalanta 
Jasperini's like, Papu Gomez to Sevilla. I don't care. We have Atalanta winning three, nothing. Absolutely giving AC Milan a lesson here. But then you would think that, oh, wow, Inter Milan's going to take advantage of this. They get a stalemate this weekend. So the only beneficiaries really, because uh, Napoli lost as well, are Juventus and Roma who get some points. So now the Serie A, the Scudetto looks really intriguing because a big loss for AC Milan in this one. Yeah, and Juventus are, you know, still uh, nine points off off the pace, but they have a game, they do have a game in hand. And when you think about they're on 19 or 18 games, you have a full, ha- like, I think I, I get a little confused right now because of where we're at in the year, right? So you start to think that there's these runaway trends happening, but we're really only at the halfway point of the season and we're going into to late January. And, and, and maybe that's normal. I don't, I don't really know, but for some reason, I feel, I, I feel like we're later in the year and we're not. These teams have literally half of their calendar still to catch up points. And when you think about potentially six points, let's say we give Juventus the win, they're only six points off of, off of uh, the, the pace. And that's, that's two losses for anybody for the rest of the year. And, and Juventus are, are back in form or at least more consistent form. And then Inter Milan, I think they were held scoreless three. Uh, no, no, were, against yeah. Udinese. Udinese, who has, who, by the way, Udinese, a very good side defensively. And you knew that they were going to be difficult to break down, but Inter Milan got that stalemate. Uh, but and, yes, Udinese tied with Inter Milan. They couldn't get any points. AC Milan lose. Juventus gained some ground in need. The thing is, in our weekend preview, we were like, this is over for Juventus. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the other thing is that AC Milan lost to Juventus recently mm-hmm. and they bounced back immediately. Okay. You're playing against Juventus. Okay. You give up those points, but we're still AC Milan. We're still informed, blah, 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 blah. But if you watch the way AC Milan lost to Atalanta this weekend, Atalanta were better in every single position yeah. across the board. No, they had more energy. Fantastic. Their transition was better. They had better ideas. Uh, now Atalanta are, I think, one goal off of being the top scoring team again in, in, in Serie A. They are in just really, really good form. And they had a chance to put that to bed or put that to rest, at least. Uh, AC Milan being sort of the top team in the league. And, and they didn't. They were completely flat. And this is where I start to worry. You know, when you again, you go back to Juventus, you're like, oh, okay, it's Juventus. Move on. Uh, not a big deal. The, AC Milan didn't play uh, exceptionally well, but they didn't play poor. They were really poor against Atalanta, and that is worrying to me. And then, uh, and then you have uh, uh, Inter Milan just just behind them, who had a chance to to do something of it and were held scoreless. Another team that I think they haven't been held scoreless all season long, um, or I could be wrong on that stat, so don't quote me on it. But uh, you know, have been scoring regularly, are, are are currently the highest scoring team in the league. So yeah, it's just it's just again one of these things that I don't I maybe the story isn't written yet and we're halfway through the season and it'll be interesting to see now AC Milan, if they can bounce back, but the form that they had in that game was the biggest indicator to me that perhaps they're hitting a wall or perhaps uh, I just hope they don't go into a dip because it's, it's, you know, it's fun to see them and, and Inter Milan uh, way out in front of Juventus at the moment. Yeah, you're correct, by the way. That was uh, Inter Milan's first stalemate in a, in a very, very long time. And I think the narrative of Serie A right now it's a little similar to, you know, what ultimately determines anybody's uh, title hopes, which is it's not so much what you do against the big teams. It's the teams that you, you, you should be winning or you should be getting three points and you just don't. And, you know, Inter Milan, 
not getting anything out of Udinese game, um, you know, could say something because Udinese, as resilient as they are, they're still 14th in the league. Like, it's not like, you know, they're, this is a game that Inter Milan, second in the table, should be winning. And AC Milan, there's no shame in losing to Atalanta, but losing that way is, is a big... So with Juventus winning, right, against Bologna, games that you should be winning at home, et cetera, you know, those could be the determinators uh, when you, you know, essentially try and win the Scudetto. And I think that's going to be a major part of it. By the way, that's that's the main reason why I agree with your argument on Weston McKinney is they play Bologna over the weekend and Weston McKinney is one of the best players on the field. Again, right. our, our mindset and perspective has completely shifted from hoping that he gets in the game to hoping that he plays to hoping that somebody says something good about him to being like, no, no, he's actually one of the best players on the field and he scores in a game where Juventus have to win those games all season long, right? They're fundamental, uh, fundamentally necessary for them to have any chance. And, and they're, they're sort of, they can be ugly and they can be scrappy games, but you know, he came through and pulled his weight and did really well in those. So sorry to bring up that point again, but that that's it, it meant to support your point of saying that like you, you have to win against the non big teams. If you want to have any shot. Hey, listen, anytime you want to come up with something that supports anything that I say, you can say it whenever you want. You can call me at 3am and say that it doesn't matter. I'm always going to be happy about that. So don't worry about it. Um, all right. In Spain, in La Liga, uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona both win. And as we're taping, Atletico Madrid hasn't kicked off yet against Valencia. But regardless of what happens in that result, they'll still lead uh, La Liga. Uh, with still games in hand. So, you know, that's still tight. But, you know, first, second, third is looking more familiar to everybody. Barcelona in third, Real Madrid in second, Atleti in first. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, but that's it. That's our wrap-up. Uh, you know, th that pretty much covered it. And it, see, this is what happens when it's just two people. We just get on with it. Uh, you know, I miss yeah. you, Jimmy. I'm kidding. I miss you. There's no, there's no, when Jimmy's not here, there's no, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go back. Jimmy, we're just moved. When you're not here, we just move forward. You know, we, we move forward, you know, put your finger down. We know that Luis comes from a background of education. His wife's in education, but put your hand down. There's no questions today. If you watch this show on YouTube, every time Jimmy was to say something, he's like, he puts his hand down. Like, and I'm like, I know Jim. I know. Now I love him. We love him. We can't wait to have him back. Listen, final thoughts from you. Heath Pierce, anything from this weekend that maybe we have missed or anything that you're looking ahead to? By the way, uh, Coppa Italia Milan Derby on Tuesday. We got the final week of transfer window in the UK. It, it, it extends a little bit in the rest of Europe. We have uh, plenty more games of the Premier League during the week, et cetera, et cetera. The United States women's national team. We're convincing against Colombia twice. So many things to talk Anything that you wanted to bring up before we say goodbye? Uh, my only thing is that it's been fun to watch Fabrizio get sucked into the U.S. soccer Twitter sphere uh, <laughs> over the speculative of who said what and who said what first uh, with Brian Reynolds moving to which club, which was pretty uh, pretty fun. And he, he should learn that U.S. soccer Twitter is a place that you don't you you, you just want to avoid it because, you know, this is like what 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 um, England's uh, Twitter was for a decade. You know, the self-deprecating woe is us, you know, ready to bite off everyone's head. And now they've turned the corner. We need to also. Uh, but also the women's national team. Uh, good wins against Colombia. Uh, but with these rumors around around the Olympics potentially not taking place. Uh, could we be seeing the end of an era uh, earlier than I thought? I don't know. Those are my closing thoughts. Just throwing some things out for people to ponder on, um, you know, as, as they go into their week. 
Well, I really hope the Olympics happen in one way or form, obviously with everybody being safe and everything, but a very good point about the giant, the Goliath, that is the United States women's national team and what could happen to them within this year and the next, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, there's no shortage in talent. That's for damn sure. I mean, look at Katarina Macario. My God, what a talent she is. She's so ridiculous. <laughs> and also, by the way, we are potentially what people are saying is our golden generation, but now we've lost the U-17 World Cup. We've lost the U-20 World Cup. We've now potentially, uh, and I'm not going to speculate on Olympics, but if you lost the Olympics, you're again losing very official competitions that could be hugely important for testing ourselves and getting real legitimate minutes for young players against the best in the world that aren't friendlies that are high pressure environments that help to shape who they will be as players, right? High pressure, uh, high risk, you know, high reward type of situations, knockout type of play. And when you lose those, you know, we saw before with our missing generation in us soccer history, you, you lose, you, you have the potential to lose it. Granted, we didn't qualify in those, and this is different, but you want to challenge, you want to have those check-in and checkpoints to see, you know, we can call ourselves as good as we want because we have 11 players playing at big clubs around the world. But that means nothing if those players can't come together and challenge themselves against other national teams, uh, even if it's at the Olympic level or youth national team level. Yeah. I rest. No, that's it. You rest. And you know what? That is a perfect way to end today's pod. Heath Pierce, thank you so much, my man. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also listen to us on cbsports.com. Follow us on Twitter, Pod. We'll have Fabrizio Romano tomorrow, and we'll have so much more as we give you plenty of content from Golazo. Have a great beginning to your week.